Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you all. And I want to bring something tonight that I believe is very necessary in our understanding of the unconditional love of God. I have in the last week been privy to some persons in there, and I have to use the word very carefully and advisedly, but their rage, uh, religious rage, at the message that God is love. In fact, I have heard words that I never thought I would hear from the mouth of believers in their antagonism to the simplicity that God is love. And I want to take a text and talk around it. Um, and and it, it appears this is where the battle seems to be joined. And it may be a battle that is joined in you. It may be an area of confusion for you. Or it might not be anything at all. But it's in First Peter. I could choose dozens of texts. But this one is the one that's particularly speaking today. In First Peter, and in chapter 1, and um, I could read a lot of it, but let us read verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And that is where some people get very, very upset with what we are saying. Um, It says, he is holy, and therefore we also be holy, in all of our conduct. Um, The word holy, what's it mean to you? Boy, if ever there was a time when I would like to be talking eye to eye and ear to ear with you right now, what is your idea of holy? I've already had many definitions that I have received from persons, believers, and they're very sincere people, truly know the Lord. But at this point, it, it, it seems that we, we have a concept of holy that throws everything off. I say again, what, what do you think the word holy means when God is holy? I, I was thinking about it just this last Sunday as we were celebrating the Eucharist, the Holy Communion, 
and uh, the, the congregation joined in with me and we said the words, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. I thought, suddenly, what, what does everybody think we're saying here? What, what is holy, holy? I tell you this, for dozens of, well, maybe hundreds of people, the word holy, it conjures up the moment we think about it, it's something cold, cold, um, remote, aloof, harsh even. And whenever we say the word holy, it, it brings up thoughts of guilt. God is holy, that means that me? Forget it. I, I'm guilty. It, it, it means holy. That word, somehow it contains all the ideas of being condemned. And as I heard in this uh, exchange in the last days, that the word holy, and I quote, must be linked to judgment. God is not to be thought of as love, but just and the judge. And along with that, apparently, anger. God is holy, means God is angry, that, that he's seeking some sort of revenge because his holiness has been offended. These are quotes from persons that are with us today. I mean, persons that are my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. What's going on here? Um, I, I turn to some books of theology. You know, the books that, again, I admire many of these men in much of what they say, but I turn to see what they said about holy. And I'm quoting now from some of the major theologians of the church in past hundred so years. They said, the recoil... Wow, that's a word. Recoil, the disgust, the revulsion of God toward all that is sinful. Oy. I, I, I say, can, can anyone read the scripture and say that God recoils in disgust and revulsion? from all that is sinful. I, I mean, if Jesus is the exact likeness, image of God the Father, if to have seen him is to see the Father, don't you realize exactly those words that are quoted as Christian theology, that's what the Pharisees did when Jesus sat with tax collectors and sinners. They recoiled in disgust and revulsion that anyone should sit with those they term sinners. I mean, just give it a thought anyway. There's something wrong here. If that's what holy is, it would appear Jesus wasn't holy. He sat with sinners. And of course, to the Pharisee and to many today, to touch. You see, the, the Pharisee believed if you rubbed up against a tax collector because of the extremity of his sin, you became dirtied with his sin. His sin was much more powerful than your holiness, I guess. And, and so it would overcome it. And you, you 
felt dirty. And, and in fact, the Pharisees went home and took a bath. Uh, but Jesus sat with these chaps, and, and what I, he, the, the, the power of his holiness, changed their lives. So, uh, you see, this is where we've got to really do some thinking here. And, and then, uh, same conversations, um, this verse, um, we we be holy, he's holy, God's holy, therefore we be holy. And, and what does that mean? Well, all says the same sources. Our being holy means the hard work, quote, the hard work trying to do moral behavior, moral right. Good grief. Have we got ourselves into a self-help club? Do you mean that the word holy, which is linked to another word that nobody understands, sanctification, or to another word which is totally misunderstood, saints, the, the saints, the holy ones, and the sanctified, they're all the same family of words, very close. I mean, they're, they're brother words. They're not even cousins. Uh, it's the same family. And, and our leaders of Christian thought are telling us that our being holy is working hard to be morally good. That I do not find anywhere in the scripture. And that we must have the same disgust and revulsion against those involved in sin. No wonder the congregations that I sometimes preach to are, are in such despair. They're in a form of religious depression. And no wonder no one can get excited in worship. Who, who could worship a God like this? He's the impossible person, yet demands that we try to be morally good, to be like him. And no, no wonder people go forward in some of these churches every jolly week to try and get saved properly. Dedication and rededicating their dedications, trying, 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 promising to be better. No, okay, that's it. That's what started this. Now, what does holy mean? And but we've got to be careful here. The word holy, it means separation. That, that's sort of a very beginning word. It means separation. Separation in the sense that the Holy One, God, is unique. That is, he's separated from everything and everyone else. There's nothing and no one that is remotely like him. He's holy. He's unique. He, he is distinct. Let me say it again. There is nothing. I cannot compare God to anything within creation. There's no one like him. He's the only one. He is the other He's other than all of us. He's, he's distinct from all others. And, and, and therefore, you do not put this God on a par with other religions and other gods. Um, or the way the psalmist puts it, who is like unto you among the gods? 
That is, you could compare the gods that the Canaanites worshipped. You could compare the gods they worshipped in the north, the gods they worshipped in the south, the gods the Amorites worshipped, the Amalekites, and on and on you go. You compare comparative religion. And they do it on TV, especially on Sundays these days. Uh, they, they, they compare. They, they, they put Christianity up against Buddhism and Hinduism and, and go to Facebook and you see people are quoting Jesus and they're quoting Hindu prophets. Well, I'm sorry. I may be as narrow in my thinking as a hen's face, but you can't do that. God is unique. He's totally other. You can't put him on the shelf with a bunch of other gods and say he's a bit better than this, the same as this. No, it's distinct. Okay, that's holy. At least we're beginning to look at it. I mean, separated, away from. And, and so he's the creator. You know, I shudder sometimes when people say the man upstairs. Um, it's it's reducing God to a sort of a superman. No, uh, he is the creator, therefore he's unbegun. He is not super creature. Creature means begun, started, invented. Who started us? Who invented us? The one who no one invented, who never started, who is creator. He's other, he's different. He's not human. God is God and human is human. He doesn't share the platform with, with all the man-made trinket gods, nor with humans. God stands alone, separate. Separated. And the word, <clears throat> in essence, means then to be separated from two. If he is not all of this... Who then is God separated to? Do you get that? Look, th this is my watch. There were bunches of these watches, you know, on the counter, bunches of But we took this one and it was separated to me so that I call it my watch. And it's unique for there's no other my watch in the world. It's mine. It's separated to me. And in that sense, it's, it's holy in, in the basic meaning of the word. It's, separate. It's, not, it's not like any other watch. It's separated. Well, if God is holy, who is he separated to? Do you follow me? You just can't be aloof. That, that's not the meaning of the word. Separated from, separated to. God is separated to himself. For there's none greater and none beyond him, none like him. And therefore he is separated to himself. In his absolute uniqueness, there is none like him. He is separate. He is himself. Maybe that's the essence of what it means when Moses said, what is your name? Or in our English language, who are you? And the response of God was, I am. Yeah, I can't compare myself to another. I can't give my name that links me to anything else. I am. There is none like me. I am separated to myself. Now, keep that on hold. The, the English word holy, 
I've just been giving you what the Hebrew and the Greek word means. But the English word holy, fascinating. It comes from about the ninth century uh, in, in England, holy, and it means health. Yes, you heard me. Health. We, we say sometimes, it's even in sort of modern English, that a person is whole. That they're whole and healthy. It means that everything's in the right place. We're, we're, we're alive. We, we have life and life is harmonious. Love, life is wholeness. It's soundness. All those words. Um, well, holy in this most ancient English then melt, meant health, the life that is ever seeking restoration, harmony, union, over against its opposite, sick, diseased, chaos, broken, holy. It means supreme life. It means absolute health, vitality. It means to be whole and sound with nothing broken. Perfect peace. Holy. God is separated to himself. And that equals life. And that equals the health of his entire creation. He doesn't have health. He is health. His isness, wholeness. Okay, final question then. Who is he to whom he is separated? Wherein is he the only and the unique? And let me just say again that religion, the leaders of religion, theologians of religion, they, they say, we're back to where I started, they, they say he's separated from sin. He's separated from the breaking of the Ten Commandments. And he, in turn, I guess, keeps them all. He, he's ice-cold steel perfection. And we're judged by that perfection. So, they say he's separated in terms of what he isn't. But you see, the scripture doesn't do that. The scripture defines him in terms of who he perfectly, limitlessly, eternally is. Do you see the difference? See, God was holy before the Ten Commandments. God was holy before there was a creation. So it's not so much what he isn't. It isn't that he's separated from that. He's separated to who he is. Separated because there's none like who he is. Who is he? You know the answer. He is love. God is love. And God is separated to himself, his love. There's none like him. We don't really have any human comprehension of the limitlessness of his love. And the word used in the Bible language to describe this love of God is self-giving love. Love that ever gives to the other. Love who is for the other. Agape. 
And, and before there was a creation, we find it in the mystery of God, the Holy Trinity, Holy Trinity, in that the Father unbeginningly ever gives himself to the Son, and the Son responds in giving himself to the Father, giving to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit giving to Father and Son. The Holy Trinity is not mathematics of, you know, one equals three. It, it, it's the, it, the Trinity is this relationship uh, of love, the relationship of one to one and one to three. It, it's the relationship of, of love. And that's why when uh, in Isaiah 6, uh, Isaiah beheld the heavens and he heard them saying, Holy, 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 three times, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, God, the Holy God, ever giving himself within himself, love, the only, the unique, the distinct, the none like him, love. And, and that's who God is, this furnace of love, this limitless giving of self. And he is the life. That love is the life. That, that love is the harmony and the peace. That, that love is dynamic health of his creation. Love. He is holy, and therefore he must be who he is. He can never be other than who he is. He's love. He is love. Doesn't have any. He is it. And he is it within himself. You ever thought about that, you see? Why did God create? Didn't have to. For unbeginning, God is dynamic love. God is fulfilled society. Father fulfilled in the Son and the Spirit and the Spirit in the Father and the Son and so on. God didn't need us. Oh, did he ever not need us? Why did he create the overspill, if you could put it that way, the outreaching? Love must always reach out. Love must always seek to unite and so God created the universe. He created us, created you out from his love. Love willed to make you. Why? So that he might bestow love upon you. So that you might be the image bearer of his love within creation. But he willed it. He determined it. And... and for his creation, for them, to, to establish this relationship, to establish this, the word dance comes to mind, that he is loving and we respond and in his grace we bear the image of love, love celebrated. That's, that's what it was all about. So then you see sin entered. Well, of course, if you haven't come with me so far, you'll come up with sin as being some legal thing. Sort of you, 
you broke the law, you speed limits or something, and 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 now you got caught, um, you've broken the law, so it's jail term and all that. No, you missed it. Sin is not some legal breaking of the law. Sin is the defiant breaking of the relationship of agape. Sin is the breaking of the holy. It, it, it is breaking, it, it, and it's defiant, it's deliberate. It chooses, sin is choosing not to trust the love that is agape, God love. It is choosing not to trust the very life of creation. It is choosing not to trust the God who is good, who is kind. I can't trust him. Can't trust him with my life. I can't trust him to be pro-me. I can't trust anybody else. I'm the only one. I trust me. Or as Satan said on that occasion, you shall be as God, you see. You'll be in the center. You'll determine this is good for me, this isn't good for me. You're the master of your life. That, says Satan, that's life, not this relationship of love. No, and that, that plunges mankind into being the alone in the midst of his universe, trying to find out why I'm here, trying to make the purpose, because I can't trust anybody but my own thoughts. And Satan is described as the liar and the giving of the lie. And, of course, what he just said to them was the supreme lie, for there's no life outside of this holy God, this agape. There's no life outside of mankind being separated to him who is the separated one, that is separated to his love. And so mankind plunged into the world of illusions and the unreal and appearances. Holy God. Have you got it? It is hard to say all of this without looking into your eyes. Holy God. The God who is separated to himself, love, and created us to be separated to himself, love. And there to dwell together in the grace of the highest good life. But now sin has entered mankind, has walked away, defying God, distrusting life, truth. Now, hear me carefully. God who is love must be against all that would destroy love. I think that makes sense. Love cannot give a benign smile at that which would put it out of the universe. Love cannot accept the unreal and the lie. Look, the health of my body, 
this is the most extreme down-to-earth illustration, but the health of my body, part of that health is the ability to fight off disease. Health cannot embrace disease and say it's okay. That's daft. Good, I mean God good, cannot fellowship with evil. Truth cannot entertain and affirm the lie. And above all, Love cannot stand by while Satan would destroy his beloved mankind, man and woman. So what's he going to do? What shall love do in the Garden of Eden when mankind thus defied him? Oh, says some areas of religion, they they say, God came in vengeance, and he's going to punish them, and they will pay for it forever. Well, just a minute. Uh, I don't think that was love's agenda. I, I think love's agenda was always to pursue and gain relationship. That that. He, he would lay hold upon mankind and say, you are mine. And mankind would lay hold of him and, and, and surrender to the mine and say, oh God, you are mine. That, that's love's agenda. <laughs> I, I mean, if the spouse walks away... Uh, the husband or the wife does not pursue with club to beat and say, you, you, you must come into my agenda. Unless, of course, the spouse's agenda is to jail the other. Um, no, destroying vengeance does not solve the relationship problem. Or you could say this, this I said is my watch. That's the idea of holy. It's mine. Well, if someone steals this watch, and then it's gone, but they catch the fellow who stole it, and they put him in jail, and they say to me, are you satisfied? Of course not. The fact is, that doesn't satisfy me. I want my watch back. See, God doesn't come to, to be repulsed by the sinner, he comes with arms wide open to restore that relationship, to lay hold upon us. Restoration reunion, to save his beloved who has been hoodwinked by the liar. And so the very first question upon man's Sin and man's walking away from God. God's first response was, where are you? Read it, Genesis 3. It's, where are you? Where are you, Adam? Where are you, beloved couple? Where are you? Love is seeking. Love is seeking. That's the first thing that love does. When mankind is gone away from God, then the first thing that love does is seek. 
seek to restore, seek to reunite. And he then crowns what he says to them with promise. And the promise overshadows everything and shapes future history. His promise was, I'm going to give a a seed or a descendant or a birth child to to the woman. And and that child will, will crush the authority of Satan over you. That's right at the very beginning. That's his imme- the immediate reaction. Because he is love that is unlike anything you've seen. He is the unique love that is never motivated by self-interest. He is love that by his nature gives himself. And having given himself to creation that we might be in relationship with him walk in his love, dance with him in life. He doesn't just throw mankind under the bus. He begins the millennia-long seeking to restore mankind into his purpose and plan. That's the holy God. It's the holy God. Shall God reject mankind now? Shall God say, I'm repulsed by you, I don't want to look at you? Shall love just allow the beloved to disintegrate into nothingness? No. That's the the wonder. That's where we get to holy. That's love. I've never dreamed of love like this. Love. This is this is love gone to the nth degree. That's the story of the Old Testament, the, the beginnings of this seeking, seeking after human. But but human has not just made a little mistake. He's he's not, as I say, he's not just broken the speed limit. It he's not just broken a law. No, he has deliberately, intentionally turned toward the darkness and the lie and he's blind to truth and he's deaf to truth and he is pursuing the whole chaos that comes out of that. So what shall God do? What shall holy do? Holy joins himself to to a man called Abraham. And through Abraham to an extended family of Abraham called Israel. And he says to Israel, my purpose for you is that you be holy, even as I am holy. You know what that means now, do you? I'm separating you from the world. I'm separating you out from all other families of the earth that you might be mine. And in being mine, you might reflect me in the midst of the families of the earth. I'm coming into these families and the ultimate of you, Israel, is I'm going to save all families of the earth. Through the one I send, they shall be blessed. Israel, trust me. Israel, trust my promises. Follow my direction. Be holy. 
be separated to me because there's no other higher than me no other more glorious no other the unique one the i am be separate well at their stage in this seeking as i said they're blind and deaf and and, and sin makes you stupid and, and so the beginning, the very first reaching into mankind of the holy is to make them separate and different and in every way reflecting him. But it was outward. We can't get to the heart yet. They've got that blocked off. So we'll begin on the outside. And he said, I'll give you a land. And in that land, it will be a different land to all other lands. For there will be the beginning of my purpose. And in that land, there'll be a city. And he said, I'll put my name on that city. That will be my holy place. That's where I will make my presence known to you, separate from all other cities, Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, I'll put the temple, which will be my dwelling place on earth. My presence will be known in the midst of you. And here's the law, about 600 laws. And they are going to teach you how to walk in love with everybody. Or is the one statement that sums it all up, love your neighbor as yourself. You'll be be a society of love. And these Ten Commandments are really ten ways of love. And you're to be clean, hygienic. And there's a bunch of animals that will kill you if you eat them. So don't do that. I'll teach you how to be clean in food, clean in body, clean in your house and society. You'll be different to all the nations around you holy to me you'll reflect me in so many different ways and something that no others have ever done one day a week you are to rest it's called the sabbath and one year in seven you are to rest the sabbath year and when you farm your land you're to do it with that recognition that in the seventh year you're not going to do anything you're just going to let it grow wild and I'm going to feed you double in the sixth year so you'll have enough to last through the seventh and on and on it goes they were different to those nations around them they were weird and they said they were separated holy to their God who himself was holiness He was separated, the only God, who couldn't be compared to any other God. But it didn't reach their heart. That's the whole point. It didn't reach their heart. Their heart was still... They they didn't want to keep the the Sabbath days. They didn't want to keep any of God's laws. They, They wanted to get as far away from it as they possibly could. They wanted, in fact, to adopt all the other tin pot gods of the people around them. And so they had a unique expression of love. God said, I give you sacrifices. And right in the middle there in Jerusalem, in the temple where God dwelt, there was the room at the center called the Holy 
of holies. And that's where God lived. But there was a veil. God says, no, you're, you're still not walking with me. You're still not in harmony. You're still not holy unto the holy. So at this point, you can't come in. But I'm sending my love out. And I'm showing you how to live in harmony and peace. Holy health. But it's got to reach the heart. Holy is not holy until the heart has been reached. And so this love, this love with the face of Father and Son and Holy Spirit, this love that was relentless, that must by its very by its very separation to itself it must reach out god cannot be a selfish love selfish is the breaking of the relationship his love must be selfless his love must be self for others reaching out he must reach out to bring this errant mankind to himself, to the holy, must come to know what it means to be holy, for he is holy. And so you see, do, do you understand? Holy doesn't mean he repulses sin. Holy means that this love that stands unique and alone is of such a kind that it cannot leave man in his sin, but must reach out. And so the scripture defines this holy love and says, For God so loved the world. Okay, see, some people stop there. And that's enough. He sort of loved it. No. It says, For God so loved the world that. Okay, so now he's going to define what so loved looked like. For God so loved the world that. He gave his only begotten son. God gave God. And God willingly came to join the human race. Do do you understand what the incarnation means? God, the only, the other, the not creature is going to enter the womb of the Virgin Mary and God is going to be born through a birth canal suckle at the virgin breast be taught how to walk and talk and come to an awareness of the world that he created. That's holy. God will go to the nth degree. Holy is that, what's the word? Force, energy, relentless pursuit, a seeking that cannot give up. He cannot talk to mankind from the outside. He's got to come inside. And from inside the human brain, inside human imagination, inside our human, he speaks to us. 
And he's the word of God. He's God from God. He's the perfect exegesis of God inside of human. And he announces what this love is. And slams right into the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees understood God to hate sin and sinners. And you had to do moral good in order to get his accepted invitation and so on. God came among us and showed us a love that boggled the mind, that defied all our definitions, that upset us no end because it was scandalous and shocking. He sat with those so deep in sin as to be untouchables. He forgave. And he forgave freely without any penance, without any conditions attached. He looked at the immoral of the world, the dregs of society, and said, your sins are forgiven you. What kind, well, what's, religion had a fit. You see, guilt, shame is the oxygen of religion. Take that away and what have we got left? You don't have religion as we know it. He was, This is God moved with compassion, healed their sick by the multitude. And as I've already said, the Pharisee understood holy as aloof, apart, repulsed by anything that was sinful. Couldn't look at it, couldn't talk about it, never touch it, never go to the neighborhood. I might get tainted. I am a holy person. I can't go there. I can't. And Jesus, he not only went to all those don't go there places, but sat down and visited with the worst of the worst. He had some of the untouchables in his immediate society of disciples. He touched lepers. And to a Pharisee, if you touched a leper, you are filthy with... He touched the leper, but it was, it was reverse. His beautiful, holy love healed the leper. Huh. And continually from the very beginning, the liar, Satan, was seeking to bring him to distrust his father's love and goodness and to act independently of his father, which Jesus resolutely refused to do. He trusted his father. He trusted his goodness. He trusted his love. Tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. It wasn't a matter of breaking rules. Because to love and trust the Father you find without thinking about it, you've kept the rules. But that's, he still hasn't reached our heart. Still hasn't reached us where we're at. And he came. And he took to himself in the mystery of this almighty God-creator love. He reached out to the entirety of humankind and he embraced our sin and made it his own. Took it to himself, assumed total responsibility. He reached to our suffering and our pain. All abuses known to mankind and he embraced them. 
says the scripture, he became sin for us. Says the scripture, he bore our grief and he carried our sorrows. Says the scripture, the Lord made our iniquity, our twistedness to meet upon him. He bore our sin in his own body on the cross. That's holy. Holy must reach out to the beloved, to whatever it takes to bring that beloved home. And holy reached out and took us and entered fully into our death. And in death, he who knew no sin stripped the author of sin from authority, announced forgiveness throughout mankind. And as that was taking place, that veil in the temple that separated the holy was ripped. And the way in has been established. God won. God came. Holy came where we are. Because that's the nature of holy. It's love that can never, ever give up. It is love that is relentless. Till it has laid hold upon us. Or as Jesus said, I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. And he did it. And the Father raised him from the dead. That is, death itself died. Death lost its authority. But you see, the scripture says, and I just said it, but let me say it maybe plainer. You were placed into Christ. He created you. So therefore, he, he can represent you and represent you in the most innermost fashion. You were placed in him so that his history is yours. Here, I have a little book. And, and here, oh, there's a dollar bill neither here nor there. But let, let me do this. I, I, I put this bill in, inside the book. The, the the bill is in the book. So now, if, if I take this book and I put it down here, what happened to the dollar bill? It, it's down there. Did it try to get down there? No, it was because it was in the book. It went where the book went. And if I bring the book up here, what happened? The, the bill comes up here, not in the strength of a bill to elevate itself, because that's where the book is. And if I put the book up here, th- then, then the bill goes with it, not because it can fly, but because it's in the book that went up there. God, the Father, placed you into Christ. And when he died and put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, You died and your sin, the scripture says, shall be remembered no more. And when Christ rose from the dead, you rose with him in the strength and power of his resurrection. That Satan has no more authority over you. Death has no more power over you. And your sin has been been dealt with and is remembered no more the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin and when he ascended and sat down at the right hand of the father you sat down in deep heaven with him and that's where you live you in Jesus 
in him. You, because of what he has done, you are holy. You are separated, or the word sanctified. You are made a saint. You are seated eyeball to eyeball with God the Father, smothered in the same love that's pouring over Jesus. He in his holy, that separate, unique love that must defeat sin and rescue the beloved, did it in Christ. It's not that you have to do some enormous work that shall somehow please this God who's real royally upset with all of us. No, this is the God who is not royally upset with any of us, but that loves us with a love that won't quit and came to us in Jesus to personally make it his responsibility to bring you back to the Father. And he did it. He holied you. He ho- and how does that trigger in my life if that's what happened in the ultimate real how does that happen in me sitting in my kitchen tonight the holy spirit the spirit who is the holy one comes into us and implements everything that jesus accomplished He pours out the love of God in our hearts. And he's our personal coach to teach us who we are. And of course our behavior changes. Of course, if you only know a religion of rules, you could never imagine that just love would change your life. So I sympathize with such. But you see... When the love of God is poured out in my heart, when I know that I am the beloved and I trust in that love, that's the ultimate. See, I I am trusting with the very trust of Jesus. And and I, I realize that there's all this stuff, all these behaviors, all these words, thought forms, perspectives, I don't need them anymore. They aren't me anymore. I see myself as a child of the Father, beloved of the Father, one with Jesus and trusting the Father, even as he. And so I get rid of what doesn't. But I mean, what are you doing? What are you doing with bitterness and unforgiveness and malice and evil speaking and shouting and screaming at each other? What, what, what are you doing with that? That, that's see, the love. I, I, I've come into the love of God in and through Jesus Christ. I, that doesn't belong to me anymore. It's because I am holy that old behaviors fall away or I choose to put them away. And I adopt behaviors that fit who I am. Behaviors that are energized by the holy spirit and i realize i'm in this world but i'm not of it i am of the holy trinity i am of the one who is love i dwell in the holy and in the holy in this love that is 
infinitely, unbeginningly the flame of passionate love, giving, receiving. Do you realize there's no anxiety there? There's no overwhelmness. There's no lies there. There's no unreality there. There's no desire for revenge. There's no resentments or envies or jealousies. There's no seeking destruction or being destroyed. You're inside life himself. You're inside the health of God. Or the phrase the New Testament uses, eternal life. You're living inside the Holy of Holies. Well, I... I don't know whether I should have done this tonight at this point because I know at many points it demanded me looking right into your eyes to see if you knew what I was talking about. But may the Holy Spirit open all of our eyes to see that we, we are the saints, we are the holy ones and because we are the holy ones separated to the holy one then we put off our old way of the old habits of life we they don't fit us anymore they don't fit us we become new creations and so we fling them from us and we walk into this world but not of it we are of the holy one we're holy we're saints and you see that doesn't mean the most boring creatures on earth with funny lights around their head. It means the most dynamic persons on earth filled with joy and peace and seeking to share this love with every human being they meet. Well, there it is. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will do maybe what I did not finish doing tonight. And let me remind you that we're now into November and the 22nd of November is the last opportunity to book in with the hotel in San Antonio to be with us for our winter retreat. After that, of course, you can still go to the hotel, but you won't get our rates. And so, please, in these last days before the retreat, make sure you're booked with us. And now the blessing of God who is... Holy love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. His blessing be in you and with you. Fill your family. Fill your home and your work and your school that you may walk in this world, holy ones, radiating the love of this incredible God. That's the way I bless you, and that's the way it is.